All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Everything is happening. Welcome into a St. Patrick's Day edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Today is March 17th, 2022, and we are now just four days away from the NHL's trade deadline. He's Mike McKenna, and we're streaming live on dailyfaceoff.com as well as YouTube and Twitter. Mike, have you caught up to everything and have you caught your breath from yesterday's action? Dude, I'm trying, man. Like, I tell you what, I woke up this morning to chuck a corned beef in the, co- in the crock pot and thought, well, at least we know what we're going to talk about today. And, and I'm sure there's plenty more coming, Frank. It's an exciting time of the year. Yeah, we're not searching for topics today. Love the green shirt you got on. Uh, let's Before we even throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, let's just take a look at how quickly the trade targets board has changed you see Tomas Hurdle was in the number three spot. He re-signs with the San Jose Sharks. Ben Sherratt goes from the Montreal Canadiens to the Calgary or to the Florida Panthers, excuse me. And Cali Yarncroke, who was further down the list, just outside the top 10, he goes from the Seattle Kraken to the Calgary Flames. Let's throw those two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. And let's dive in, starting with that Ben Sherratt trade. A heavy price to pay for the Florida Panthers. You take a look at the return here, and it's a 2023 first-round pick. They did not have a pick in 2022's first round. The 2022 fourth-round pick, prospect Ty Smolanik, who has taken 74th overall, and the Canadians retained 50% of Sherratt's salary. That's what the fourth-round pick is for, for them to eat that $1.75 million for the remainder of this season. So it's a first, essentially, and Smolanik, 
for Ben Sherratt. Mike, what are your thoughts on the trade? What are your thoughts on the price that the Panthers paid? Well, to me, the Panthers filled their void. They needed more on the back end, and they've got it. We've talked about this deal potentially for a long time. I like what it does on the backside to give all kinds of matchups against the top teams in the Eastern Conference. You can put Sherratt and Ekblad together. You can move Sherratt around if necessary. That's a really good matchup against some of those really dynamic offenses in the East that you're going to be facing in Tampa, Pittsburgh, Carolina. But I think Sherratt even is... is Scoring ability, his offensive production has been underrated. It's been pretty strong this year. They needed heaviness on the back end. And now I like what they, you've got Ekblad, Gudas, Uyghur, in addition to Sherratt. I mean, that's a pretty strong back end. Uh, and just across the board with Florida, I mean, you've added Sam Bennett, Sam Reinhart, now Ben Sherratt to the mix. They did lose Frank Vitrano. Now that's a 20 goal scorer. There's a bit of a void there. So I'm not sure if Florida's completely done with their forwards. Um, but to me, the first rounder, that was going to be the price. And the Smolanic, I've seen him play. I've seen him score against St. Lawrence, my old team, several times. He's a, he's a quality player. I know he was pushed for within Montreal pretty hard. But uh, I think getting out ahead of this and getting the deal done for Sherratt was what it was going to take. First rounder and a prospect. And I think Florida's got its player. Is it too much? Not on this deal. Like I just think that when you're – it became the market for Ben Sherratt. He was the D available. Like he was number one, it seemed like on five teams list. And in my eyes, you're going to have to overpay a little bit for that. Uh, and I think Bill Zito's just in go for it mode. And he's got support of, uh, of Vinny Viola, his owner, man. The guy's won the Kentucky Derby. Now he wants the Stanley Cup. If you got a chance to get the player you want, you go for it. Yeah, I just think it's a high price to pay. I mean, teams have looked at the Ben Sherratt acquisition. They love the player, but they say this guy isn't in first round pick territory, let alone plus plus. Everything Bill Zito has touched in Florida seems to have turned to gold. So clearly they're thrilled with the fit. And another interesting wrinkle to this is that, yes, they don't have a first round pick now in 2022 or 23. They do have one in 2024. But is that going to be enough to lure a player like Claude Giroux, who has been connected to the Florida Panthers? You see Owen Tippett playing for the AHL Charlotte Checkers, a previous first round pick of the Florida Panthers. He's being held out of the lineup tonight for precautionary reasons to protect the assets. So clearly the Florida Panthers are not done. Are the Calgary Flames done after adding their latest piece in Cali Yarncroke? And another significant acquisition cost, but you see the way Tyler Toffoli was brought into the group in Calgary. He's fit like hand in glove. And they're hoping that Cali Yarncroke whose cousin Elias Lindholm also plays on the team, and he's from the same small town of Javle, Sweden, as goaltender Jacob Markstrom, that he will be a strong fit as well. So, yeah, you see the quote here. We're really like brothers, me and Elias. You saw the return for Callie Yarncroke. This is a player that is versatile, can play a number of different positions. Brad Living saying after the trade last night, the Flames GM, that he's a three-position forward. So the versatility to step in, having a somewhat underrated season in terms of point production, he had done just about everything that the Seattle Kraken could have asked to this point. And the versatility is a key aspect here. You've got Mangiapane, you've got uh, Toffoli, now you've got Yarncroke, who can slot in in a lot of different positions. And I think really that's a tale of Calgary's lineup. You know, that first line of Lindholm, 
uh, Goudreau and Kachuk. That's not changing. But from that point, there's options within this. And I like that Yarncroke is a good penalty killer. You can't have enough players like that. He'll fit Daryl Sutter's system well. Uh, and, and I think that on top of that, he can take some draws. Like, if you get those mismatches where you've got two forwards on the ice, both capable of taking them, even if you slot back over to the right side, that can help depending on where you are on the ice. I didn't like the acquisition costs, though. Calgary is really running thin on their prospect pool in terms of draft picks. Um, they, they've got, you know, they traded away a second and a third for this move, essentially, to bring in Yarn Crook. I thought that was a little bit steep and just from the future aspect kind of tough to take for the flames but i've heard this phrase before frank and it's either you're looking for you're, you're looking for cups or you're looking for prospects man so I, I think that in this case calgary thinks that they're enough a contender they can make it work i just think the price was a little bit high for a team that was already really deep at the at the forward position See, I, I, I'm, I kind of look at these deals opposite of you in that I think the price for Sherratt was really high. And I think the price for Yarncroke is a little bit more palatable because this feels like a curated selection for the Flames. Again, it's not just anyone that they're running out to go and grab. It's not three o'clock on Monday. This is a guy that they have deep familiarity with. As I mentioned, the connections with Lindholm and Markstrom. You remember how quickly Toffoli fit in having played for Sutter. Milan Lucic picks him up at the airport, previously played with Sean Monaghan. Like, those are all things that factor in. And I think it's better to spend for a guy that you believe is the best fit than necessarily just going out to get the best guy available. And with Sherrod, I just think it's a little bit of a stylistic mismatch. I don't know that they needed to add that heavy, big minute chewer. I think he got such a bump from playing with Shea Weber in the playoffs last year that, you know, it's not necessarily quite the same thing this time around. They had Radko Gudis. You mentioned some of the other guys, Uyghur, that they have. I think Lindholm, Hampus Lindholm, would have been a much better fit stylistically for the Florida Panthers. And then you see the price paid and you're like, well, maybe it wasn't all that much more. And we'll get to the price on Lindholm a little later in icebreakers. But man, uh, going to be interesting because like I said, hard to doubt Bill Zito and his track record. Let's get to the San Jose Sharks. Speaking of a big price to pay, $65.1 million handed out to Tomas Hurdle in an eight-year deal, bringing his AAV to just a shade over eight, $8.1375 million for each of the next eight seasons. Mike, this felt like it was trending this way for a while with the Sharks really digging in to try and keep who they believe is their elite center in the fold. What do you make of this deal? Do you like it? I don't like it. I like it for Tomas Hurdle. I don't like it for the San Jose Sharks. And the reason being is that I think they're kind of missing the point here. Like the Sharks are going to be mediocre for a long time, if you ask me, with this deal. Because now you got a lot of money tied up between Burns, Carlson, Vlasic. That are their deals worth the cap figure on those three defensemen? No. And Couture's deal, okay, he's at eight mil or so. That's about right for him. This Hurdle deal fits into what it probably should. But man, like if you're committed to winning now, how are you going to be able to build around these big contracts? It's going to be really tough. Like I think the Sharks really needed draft picks. Um, they they have they have some, but they could always use a second. Like they only have one first round. Why not double up? They're going to be picking low in the draft any or high in the draft this year. Could it up their ante? So I I, I like Hurdle a lot. I thought he was their best player even last season. 
25 goals this year. It's right at trending at his normal pace, but he does go missing occasionally. So I think it's a great deal for Hurdle, but for the Sharks, you're getting a player that's going to be there through 36 years old on an already aging team. I would have liked to have seen them move Hurdle, get pieces back, start to rebuild, but I know that that's a really scary word in San Jose, Frank. It is, and I'm with you, though. I think good player, fine contract, wrong fit in terms of the team signing it. Um, yeah. You know, you mentioned all those guys, Couture, Burns, Vlasic, Carlson. Now you add in Hurdle. That's 52% of next year's cap on five players. That'd be fine in most normal circumstances, provided that they fit an age scheme that's conducive to winning. Hurdle is going to be 29 next season in the first year of his deal. Couture, 33. Burns, Vlasic, mid-30s, late-30s in Burns' case. And then you have uh, uh, Carlson, who's 32, but his body feels like it's a lot older. So, I don't know. To me, I just, you know, they want to win. You, you heard the commitment from uh, their acting general manager and Joe Will saying, this is our commitment to winning, and that's great. But the problem is you've had these players for the last number of years and you haven't won with them. What makes you think that now, given that you've further increased your cap commitments, 48% to spend on the rest of the 18 players on your roster, that they're going to be properly supported at their age to be competitive and out of the lottery zone, which they've been in for each of the last three seasons. I don't see it, but I'm not an NHL general manager. It's, uh, it's fascinating to see. Mike, let's turn to Claude Giroux and the, and the Philadelphia Flyers playing his 1,000th career game, all with the Philadelphia franchise, just the second player in team history, second only to Bob Clark, who, by the way, was the general manager when they announced this pick of Claude Giroux back in 2006. Philadelphia selects from Gatineau of the Quebec Junior League. Um, whoop, I forget. Claude Giroux. <laughs> That's a moment that young man will never forget. <laughs> An all-time moment, and now no one will forget Claude Giroux's name in Philadelphia. Ranked second to Bob Clark in just about every statistical category in franchise history. Crossed the 900-point threshold earlier this week and will now hit 1,000 games. Mike? It's such a great celebration for Claude Giroux, and as much as Flyers fans tonight against Nashville will be applauding his career, it also feels like they're saying goodbye at the same time. It's a weird scenario, isn't it? Thousand games, mainstay of the franchise, captain of the team, solid performer. See you later, because that seems to be the way it's trending. But what I think is so interesting about Giroux's situation is that he's really controlling the process here, Frank, with his full no-move clause. And I'm starting to wonder how many teams does he want to play for and vice versa? And is that going to lower his value on the market? You know, it's not easy to play matchmaker. I mean, I'm sure a lot of teams would love to have him, but in what role? And how many teams might actually just be playing poker out there with this? So um, I look at a couple teams out there that could like that would obviously have been linked to being potentially in on Giroux. Colorado, I'm not sure I like that fit. Florida, could they do it? Maybe a good fit. I'd keep an eye on St. Louis. That's one team I think would actually fit well for him, Frank. But I'm curious, like, do you think that him controlling the market so much will potentially devalue what the Flyers could get in return? Well, yeah, I think it's created a really awkward dynamic for the Flyers because the truth is 
and we don't know how this is going to play out quite yet. Claude Giroux said earlier this week, I'm just focusing on playing a thousand games and then we can turn our attention to the trade stuff and what happens before Monday after the fact. But the reality is if he wanted to, well, there's many ways this could play out. He could say, I don't want to be traded at all. I want to stay here to finish out the season. That's his right. He could also say, I only want to go to one team. And then the Flyers are backed into a corner and they won't have much leverage to get a solid deal. And so I think to this point, those limiting factors have been exactly that for the Flyers in terms of limiting what they can get in return. And when you are trading away a franchise icon, you want at least to signal to your fan base that you're getting something significant in return, let alone him being the best the premier rental forward available on this market. He's got the seventh most points in the league since he entered the league. You should be getting something good back, something significant back, but instead the Flyers may be facing with this no move clause, a really tricky dance uh, to have to satisfy all parties involved. Drew, the team that they're trading with, and in addition to their fan base, which is clamoring for more, more, and more. So Claude Giroux, one interesting name to watch. He's been number one on our trade targets board for quite a while. Let's get to icebreakers and let's talk about some of the other names that are out there. There's going to be no shortage of excitement around the National Hockey League these next few days. Frank, you've got a little bit of insight to share with us here. After the recent games of the Vegas Golden Knights, it kind of came to a head. Pete DeBoer, head coach, criticized the Golden Knights goaltending, went right after him saying, we need saves, just make a save. Pretty pointed comments at Laurent Brossois. It's been very quiet on the injury front for Vegas. Do you have an update on Robin Leonard's status? I do. And the fear, Mike, is that Robin Leonard is staring down a fractured patella, so a fractured kneecap, which would clearly put him on the shelf for a while. I think they're still hunting around trying to figure out what the exact diagnosis is and the exact time frame. But at this point, it seems like Robin Leonard is not going to be back anytime soon. And when you add in the torn labrum that we reported in his shoulder from a few weeks back, this is a guy that's pretty banged up and you're an edict from the Vegas Golden Knights has been Stanley Cup within five years. We're knocking on that door now. This is a team that has invested significant money and has a significant chunk of their lineup that's now sitting out. Where do the Golden Knights go before the, before the March 21st deadline? How do they find a way to get this team, which is currently on the outside looking in, into the playoffs to give everyone a chance to get healthy and get back. So Robin Leonard and their goaltending is going to be a big focal point of that in terms of trying to get this team on the right track. What do the Vegas Golden Knights do? It's not an easy question to answer. Not at all. A lot of balls in motion. A lot of balls in the air there in Vegas. Lots going on with all the injuries. Uh, let's flip. Let's keep it on the goalie market here. There's been a lot of talk about Mark Andre Fleury, Alexander Georgiev with the New York Rangers, uh, among some of the goalies that are on the market. Probably saw Braden Holpe come off recently because there's no chance that the Stars will be getting rid of him. I would think now with Anton Hudobin out. Are there any new names that could potentially be added to the goalie market trade targets? There is one, and it may surprise some. It's Jordan Binnington from the St. Louis Blues. I'm told that Blues GM Doug Armstrong had sized up the market and had let teams know that 
could be looking for goaltending that Jordan Binnington may be a solution for them. Now, I don't believe there's been much traction there. I think the one big thing that's in the way is Jordan Binnington's contract. He's only in the first year of a six-year, $36 million deal. So he has five seasons left. And when you take a look at his numbers this year, he's actually been below league average in terms of save percentage. And the Blues have been trying to answer this question for the last number of weeks. Who would be our game one starter on the opening night of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Is it the Stanley Cup winner in Jordan Bennington? Or is it Vili Husso, who has been significantly better this season in St. Louis and is also a pending unrestricted free agent? So I think the way the Blues have approached this, I don't think they're trying to trade Jordan Bennington. I think they're in a spot where they know they probably need two netminers at the ready. But at the same time, being able to potentially move on from Bennington would offer them some significant salary cap flexibility, not just to go with Huso and then maybe keep Huso at a lower number than what Bennington is at now, but more to the point, provide them additional flexibility at this year's deadline as they're a team to watch that I think could be adding both at the forward and defense position. So Doug Armstrong is making his calls. Jordan Bennington is a name that has been floated out there. I don't think that it's going to happen, but it's just another interesting name to consider on the goalie market. Amazing how quickly things can change. And Doug Armstrong's never afraid to be aggressive in St. Louis. That's a team to keep an eye on here towards the trade deadline. Let's flip over to Toronto Maple Leafs where goaltending has been a topic du jour for what seems like eh, the better part of three months. And Eric Schalgren comes in, has a 35-shot shutout against the Dallas Stars, played phenomenal in that game just a few days ago. And it's turned the temperature down in Toronto, even though it's just one start. It's given the fans something to cheer for there. So what are the what are the Toronto Maple Leafs currently focused on now? Well, I think goaltending is on the back burner. It's still something that they'd probably have to consider if some of the prices drop. But at this point, I believe the Toronto Maple Leafs remain focused on defense first and foremost. There's two names that come to mind. One is Hampus Lindholm with the Anaheim Ducks, and the other is Mark Giordano from the Seattle Kraken. Now, what's really interesting about Giordano with the Kraken is that he does have some no-trade protection, and the Kraken love what he's brought to their franchise, naming him the captain earlier this season. Uh, he celebrated his 1,000th game, played actually in a ceremony in Seattle on Wednesday night. It was a little awkward because he was held out of the lineup for precautionary reasons. But the interesting wrinkle to Giordano about this is that I think ultimately, if everything else is equal, the Kraken would like to steer Giordano to a place of his choosing. And my understanding is that number one on Mark Giordano's list of preferred teams, if he were to have a say, would be the Toronto Maple Leafs. So maybe the Leafs have a little bit of leverage there. The Kraken have been asking for a first-round pick. I don't think the Leafs are willing to trade a first-round pick for Mark Giordano. And, you know, at that point, you know, they'd have to, again, wait until maybe these prices come down a little bit by Monday. Clearly, there's a number of teams in the mix on a guy like Giordano. I think Florida was one of those teams before the Ben Sherratt deal. I think the Boston Bruins would be another. I would include maybe the St. Louis Blues in that category as well. So uh, lots of interest there in Giordano, but maybe, just maybe, the Leafs have a little bit of leg up. And if all else is equal, yes, we know Seattle is going to take the better deal if they can get it somewhere else. But if everything is equal and the price is the same, then I think they'd like to help try and get him to Toronto. So certainly something to keep an eye on. 
Oh, definitely. Not every player wants to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's a hard market. If a player wants to go there, boy, you'd have to try facilitate it. Somebody like Giordano can really play. Real quick, Frank, we got time for one more here. What's the latest on two pending UFAs north of the border? Nick Paul of the Ottawa Senators, Tyler Mott with the Vancouver Canucks. Anything cooking there? Yeah, I'm told nothing new. No progress on talks for either of these players who, as pending unrestricted free agents, I was actually a little bit surprised that Paul was in the Sens lineup on Wednesday night. Uh, Tyler Mott, a little bit of a different story in that the Vancouver Canucks are involved in a playoff chase. I think there was some thought out there previously that the Canucks you know, would absolutely have to move on from Mott if they were unable to get an extension done. I don't know that that's necessarily the case because they are so close to the playoffs at this point, but the Canucks would probably want to get something of value in return rather than just trade away Mott for a later round pick. So I don't think something like that's going to happen, but Nick Paul would certainly have interest as someone that's a Swiss Army knife player as these two sides have been unable to get together on a contract extension for Paul in the nation's capital. I like both those players an awful lot. Former teammates, full disclosure. So I think that they'd be a good pickup for anybody if it were to happen. Frank, Dr. Saravalli, once again, great work this week on icebreakers delivered by DoorDash. If you go to DoorDash, grab the app. If you use the promo code DFODD in Canada, or if you're in the United States, use DFODDUS. That's going to get you 25% off your first order and free shipping. And all of us at Daily Faceoff are going to be depending on DoorDash come trade deadline, especially on Monday. Great work, Frank. All right, Mike, it's time for our Daily Faceoff inbox question of the day. Hashtag AskDFO. Hit us up. We'd be happy to take your questions. So, Mike, back in 2010, my first year covering the Flyers on a full-time basis at the Philadelphia Daily News, I wrote a little story about Claude Giroux and his penchant for eating grilled cheeses the night before and before the game as well. The guy used to love grilled cheese. I don't think he eats it anymore, but still a big staple for Giroux as part of his pregame prep. So my question for you, as the Flyers serve up grilled cheeses for fans inside Wells Fargo Center on Thursday night to mark his 1,000th game, what would be the celebratory food of choice for you if we were honoring you? Oh, dude, it'd be the be either be the Thunder Burger or the McKenna Patty Stack. It's a burger I created for, oddly enough, a burger battle in Springfield, Massachusetts, when I was playing there for the Thunderbirds. And it won. So then I took it to Texas later on when I was playing there. It was on the menu in the HEB Center in Texas. You can see all the deets on it right here. Basically a glorified bacon cheeseburger, Frank. But it was my own creation. I had it on the menu. Uh, it's near and dear to my heart. How about yourself? If we're celebrating your thousandth game or maybe your thousandth anything in the world, Frank, what would we be putting on the menu for you? Yeah, I think I'd prefer to be of the uh, liquid variety. I'd like to go with like an old fashioned or something, but I'm going to go with the buffalo chicken cheesesteak. Uh, obviously, being from Philly, I love a good cheesesteak, but I also love the finely chopped chicken steak. Throw a little light blue cheese on there, as well as your favorite buffalo wing sauce and a really good fresh baked roll. That is right up my alley. I have at least one buffalo chicken cheesesteak a week, sometimes more. Uh, and wow. uh, that would be that would be my food of choice. Wow. Well, where do you get it from? Is it from Wawa? 
Or do you, do you have no, a special no, no, no. place you to get your like, cheese Wawa dip? has gone way downhill. You cannot, you cannot, that's like if it's 3.30 in the morning and it's the last thing that's available and you've had 17 beers on St. Patty's Day, you can go to Wawa for a buffalo chicken cheesesteak. They do have good buffalo sauce there, but uh, there's a place around the corner for me, Steak and Hoagie Factory, that uh, that would mm. be my place of choice. <laughs> We've learned so much on this show about each other, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, can never go wrong with a good buffalo chicken cheesesteak or, frankly, a good burger to sop up a few beers as well. Mike, that brings us to our Daily Face-Off Daily Bet segment. Tyler, what would be your food of choice? Ooh, my food of choice. You are putting me on uh, the spot a little bit, which I mean, I'm the guy who came Is it up a with the topics. You think I would know? Oh, okay. <laughs> at at Rogers Place, actually, when I get down for an Oilers game, they have like a pierogi poutine, and it's got it's just like a oh, pierogies dude. in a bowl, little tiny pierogies covered in like all the fixings, sour cream, bacon bits, chives, everything you need. I if I could make my own like custom pierogi poutine, that might be it. You could, Tyler. Your eyes lit up when ass. Frank said pierogi. Yeah, I think hit the magic spot for you, man. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, well, the Oilers are in action tonight, so maybe I'll be crushing a pierogi poutine a little bit later on. But let's get into our daily bets brought to you by our friends over at PointsBet. We were up money yesterday thanks to the plus 145 parlay that hit. Today, I am, I, am, I am eyeing up that matchup at the top. The Carolina Hurricanes taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And listen, yes, the Leafs got that win earlier in the week with Shalgren and Matthews out. And everyone in Toronto's calmed down a little bit for the moment. But they are way overpriced here. Carolina at just minus 121 on the money line is the spot I am eyeing up. Carolina is not just one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. They're one of the best teams in the league. And again, Toronto has an inexperienced starter. They're missing their best player. Carolina's coming off a loss, but before that, they had won four in a row. They're playing good hockey right now, and I think minus 121 on the money line is an absolute steal for the Carolina Hurricanes. So I'm taking them on the money line for my first play, and for my second and actually final play, I am eyeing up the over in the Buffalo-Edmonton game. Mike Smith is expected to get the start for the Oilers, and he has been not very good this year. Some Oilers fans would say that's even an understatement to call him not very good. Buffalo, they got their offense going in the Heritage Classic, scoring five goals against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Edmonton was just in an absolute shootout with the Detroit Red Wings earlier in the week, and they've hit the over in 16 of their 29 home games this year. So it happens more often than it doesn't. Edmonton's offense is rolling as well so far on their homestand. I believe they're up to 13 goals in Three games so far since they returned to Rogers Place. Plenty of reasons to take the over. Set at six and a half, paying minus 121. Hey, it's not great, but I still love the bet. Canes and the over in Buffalo and Edmonton. And that'll do it for our daily bets. Quickly, St. Patrick's Day question. Thumbs up or thumbs down on the idea of green beer? Mm. I don't know. Thing, I don't man. drink not a lot drink of beer. I'm, I'm a bourbon guy, so yeah Fair enough green bourbon. dude it's green like it's not beer's not green man i'm all for minimizing additives <laughs> there you go. all right love that uh tyler love the uh total play we don't get a lot of totals play from you this season so uh interested to check that out and see what happens in edmonton tonight that brings us to garbage time mike we've talked so much about the goaltending market and the names that are available mark andre Fleury. i threw jordan bennington into the mix today we've talked about alexander georgiev and others Another guy that's further down the trade board but doesn't seem to be getting nearly as much attention or love is a guy who's been pretty darn good for the Ottawa Senators this year, and you think teams would be wise to be all over him if they're looking for a netminder. 
Yeah, man. I think people are sleeping on Anton Forsberg. He's got a 916 save percentage in front of a really poor defense in Ottawa. He's routinely stealing games. He's only one time in his last 12 games had a save percentage below 90%, and he's seeing 35, 35 to 40 shots a game. There's a problem of, in perception around the NHL that I think general managers have, and I know fans have it too, that they look towards a reputation of a player more than what they're doing currently. I had one person tweet me about Forsberg today. Oh, he was terrible in Chicago. We had to get rid of him. Well, dude, it was his rookie year. He put up a 908 sub three in 35 games in Chicago, like in your rookie year. That's pretty good. All right. So he comes back. You tell me he hasn't gotten better. Look at what we have up here from Mike Kelly, one of the premier statisticians, analytics guys out there. Six best goals saved above expected. But this is the big one. Best save percentage in the league off the rush. That's Anton Forsberg. That shows his lateral mobility. It shows his reads. There are teams that have been crushed on the rush that he could help. Toronto's one of them. Vegas, who's at the edge, that's another team who's been really, really tough in giving up a lot of rush chances. I think that we live in a world where we rely on reputation far too much rather than in the moment when it comes to goaltenders. For some reason, people don't believe Anton Forsberg could be a starter or carry the mail. Simply based on past, he's been phenomenal this year, and he's only a 900K cap hit, Frank. What do you have to lose? Like, some of these teams can't get any worse than that. That's my thing. I think team, I think GMs are just afraid to make a play on a guy that they don't think is a home run. I think that's part of it. I think the other part is Forsberg may be more expensive than you think. If you're the Ottawa Senators, Maybe. wouldn't you try and keep a guy, considering that Matt Murray, he's been a roller coaster in Ottawa, and... That on top of, you can talk all the analytics and stats you want. To me, what stands out is maybe the most simple. Just take a look at the standings. The Ottawa Senators are the 29th place team in the league this year. And Anton Forsberg has a winning record when he's in net. He's got 13 of their 21 wins this season. Not quite as good as Marc-Andre Fleury accounting for 19 of the Chicago Blackhawks' 22 wins this year. But still pretty impressive nonetheless. And name factor aside, he's been just as good as anyone else that's available. Good point by you, Mike, on Garbage Time. That'll close it out. That's all the time we have for today's show. We're still gearing up for Monday's three-and-a-half-hour-long edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. We'll have you covered 12 noon Eastern all the way up until 3.30 after the NHL's trade deadline. Breaking news analysis from our top-notch team of insiders and commentators And we'll have that all for you. You know where to find us, YouTube, Twitter, dailyfaceoff.com as well. We'll see you there on Monday. We've got one more show tomorrow before the weekend. And we'll talk to you. You know where to find us, 12 noon Eastern on Friday with Chris Gear. Thanks to Mike McKenna. Thanks to Tyler Uremchuk. This has been another edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.